Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the whole region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, just as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight and the rough ways smooth. And everyone will see the salvation of God. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Your fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who is certainly coming soon. Have you noticed that pretty much every Christmas movie ever written has the exact same plot line, the exact same storyline. I know the, the details are different, the characters are different, but in all of them, Christmas is in danger, right? For some reason, Christmas may not happen this year. It might be because of the Grinch or Scrooge or some weird contrived crisis on a Hallmark movie. But what happens in all of them at the end? In all of them, Christmas comes. Somebody saves a day, Christmas comes, and, and everyone's happy. Don't tell anyone I said this, but for once, Hollywood got it right. Christmas always does come. Nothing can stop Christmas. And I'm not talking about the, the fake artificial Christmas that is portrayed in Hollywood films, but rather the real Christmas. The real Christmas of, of God becoming man in Bethlehem to be our Savior, to be our prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is coming, and nothing's going to stop him. Nothing can stop the real Christmas. Not that people didn't try. In the first two verses, Luke records the names of seven men who held all the levers of power at the time of John the Baptist. These were some of the most despicable men in history. I can't even repeat some of the things that they did from this pulpit. If, if it was broadcast on YouTube, they would shut down our channel because of what some of these men did. Tiberius Caesar was was a vindictive, murderous, anti-Semitic pervert. You know, Herod had John the Baptist's head cut off because of a stupid oath he made at some drinking party. We know that Annas and Caiaphas, the, the supposed religious leaders of Israel who were supposed to be leading the people to the Messiah, instead led the Messiah over to death. Pontius Pilate, probably one of the most spineless judges in human history, he, from his, his judge's throne, declared Jesus innocent of all charges and then sentenced him to death by crucifixion. These were wicked, evil men. They did everything in their power, used by Satan, manipulated by the, the king of darkness, to stop Jesus from accomplishing the mission that he had come at Christmas to complete. They tried to stop him from serving as our prophet, as our priest, and as our king. What evil stands between you and Christmas this year? Or what potential evil? 
Is there a sickness in your life, a disease? Are you concerned about this new Omicron variant that, that it could really ruin our Christmas, that maybe we shouldn't actually be gathering with our family and friends because we want to keep each other healthy and safe? Maybe the evil of inflation has hit your pocketbook and you're not able to buy all the presents that you had intended to. Maybe there's strife in your family. Maybe there's a fight, an argument, and, and you're not going to have that unity that you normally hope for at Christmas time. Maybe there will be an empty spot at your table this year. Because this year the Lord chose to take one of your loved ones home to heaven. There are many evils that can seem like they are going to get in the way of our Christmas. That, that Christmas won't come. It won't be the same because, because these things are happening. You really don't have to worry about those things because the Lord promises in Romans, we know that God works for the good of those who love him in everything. Everything. Even evil. God even uses evil for our good. Just consider Jesus the first time around. Consider those evil men that tried to stop him and how God reversed the entire situation, right? Think of the, the, the pain and the anguish that, that Annas and Caiaphas and Herod caused Jesus, mocking him, ridiculing him, spitting. Can you imagine being spit on? Beating him. Wrongly convicting him. Think of Pontius Pilate having him whipped. Having a crown of thorns put onto his head. Having him nailed hand and foot to a cross. The most wicked acts ever in human history. Nailing the Son of God to a cross. And yet, what did God work out of that evil? Our salvation. The pain that Annas and Caiaphas and Herod put Jesus through, that's the pain that paid for our sins. The blood that Pilate shed on that cross, that's the blood that washes away our guilt. Out of the greatest evil in human history, God worked the greatest good. He provided our salvation. I'm not saying that evil won't harm you or affect your Christmas celebration this year. Evil certainly can put a damper on our happiness and our joy this time of year. But that's just artificial Christmas. That's, that's when you're thinking of, of the potential for Christmas not to come in your lives or in your home or to your family, you're thinking of the artificial Christmas, the, the gift giving and the food eating and the family gathering. That's not real Christmas. Real Christmas is Jesus coming to earth in Bethlehem to be our prophet, to tell us the word of God, to be our priest, to give up his life as our atoning sacrifice for our sins, to be our king, to rule over everything. That's real Christmas. And not even all the evil in the world can stop that. But what about when it seems like God is distant, disinterested, when he just doesn't care, when God doesn't seem to be present in our world? I think the people living at the time of John probably would have felt that way. Again, Luke lists these seven men. These are the, these are the people in power, both religiously and, and civilly. These are the, the people with their hands on the levers of power in the world. It would have been very obvious to them who was in control. It was these men. I mean, Tiberius Caesar's face was even imprinted on their money. It was very obvious to them who was in control. It would be similar to today. If it was today, these would be the people who are giving press conferences and issuing mandates and orders. The people knew who was in control. And they knew there was a lot of evil being done. Again, Tiberius was about as wicked as you can imagine. He would have people executed just for the fun of it. But 
Where was God in all of this? The people must have wondered. I think we sometimes have in our minds that, well, God was always speaking to his Old Testament people. Look, just page after page, he's always talking to them. When the reality is that God only spoke directly, pretty rarely, to his people. And at this time, at the time of John the Baptist, God hadn't said a word for 400 years, not since the prophet Malachi. So the people had to be wondering, where is God? Where is God in this time of darkness? Don't we wonder the same thing sometimes? Where is God in our world? I mean, where is God in a nation that is so divided politically, morally, and ethically? Where is God when the highest court in the land is even considering whether it should be a woman's right to murder her own unborn baby? Where is God when some of the most evil people you can even imagine, women gathered in front of the Supreme Court steps, take abortion pills just to celebrate their ability to kill their own child? Where is God when a a convicted criminal is let out of jail on a $1,000 bond just so he can go and mow down dozens of people at a Christmas parade? Where is God in all of this? Maybe you're wondering where God is in your life when disease and pain hit you. Maybe you wonder, where is God? Well, he's right where he said he would be, right? book of Hebrews tells us, In the past God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets at many times and in many ways. In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. See, the thing we have to understand about God is the way that he chooses to operate, the way he chooses to communicate with us and people of all time, even back to the Garden of Eden, is through his word. That's how he chooses to communicate us to us, to, to make his presence among us known. And then on Christmas, the most amazing thing happened. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. No more wondering what God is thinking because God became a man to tell us what God is thinking. When God speaks, it does stuff. When God speaks, Mountains can be moved and valleys can be filled. And unlike many of the things that we're told to believe as true today, there's a mountain, there's overwhelming evidence that God's word is powerful. Just consider in the beginning, God spoke and the universe sprang into being. God spoke and this world was destroyed in a flood. God spoke and the the waters of the Red Sea were parted. God spoke and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. God spoke a few words into the ear of a virgin, and that virgin conceived a child. God spoke over you at the baptismal font and ripped you out of Satan's kingdom and brought him into his family. God speaks through his called workers here to absolve you of all of your sins. God speaks in the sacrament, and Jesus' body and blood are joined to ordinary bread and wine to assure you of your inheritance in heaven. When God speaks, things happen. God is present with us. He's right where he said he would be. He is with us. I know you may not see it out there. I know I know what our world looks like. I know the news that you watch. But God, in here, God is present. He is present with us through water and the word and bread and wine. So let's review. Nothing can stop Christmas, right? Not even the evil around us. Uh, not even God's apparent distance from us. And not even our own failed preparation. If I were to ask you if you're ready, prepared for Christmas, 
I'm guessing almost 100% of us would say, I'm not ready yet. There's, there's quite a bit I have to do yet. Now, why would you say that? Because in your minds, you're thinking of fake, artificial, not real Christmas, the Hollywood Christmas, the Hallmark movie Christmas. You can prepare for that kind of a Christmas. You just need more time. Here's the thing. You cannot prepare yourself for the real Christmas. You cannot prepare yourself to receive the King of Kings, the Son of God. You, like I, are a filthy sinner. Not worthy to be in the presence of the holiness of the Son of God. Just remember what Isaiah said would be necessary to receive Jesus. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight and the rough ways made smooth. That sounds ridiculous even to us now, right? We, even with the big machinery, the dynamite we have, we cannot lower every mountain. No one's taking Mount Everest down anytime soon. No one's filling in the Grand Canyon anytime soon either. And that's exactly the point. Isaiah is saying it's impossible. The Lord, just like ancient kings, need a, a straight, level path. And our hearts are anything but that. Our hearts are crooked with sin. We are curved in on ourselves, only thinking about ourselves and our desires and not the desires of God. Jesus can't come to us as we are to be our prophet. Our ears are stopped up with unbelief. We only want to hear what we want to hear. Jesus can't come to be our priest. We're way too proud to accept that the Son of God had to shed His blood to save us from our sins. Jesus can't come to be our king and reign over us. Not when we want to be the kings of our own lives, the captains of our own destinies. It's just a taste of what John was preaching in the wilderness in those days. He was not teaching and preaching to the people to say, all right, Jesus is coming, now you need to shape up. You've got to get a little bit better. He was pointing at them and saying, there's no hope for you. There's no way you can prepare yourselves. You are damned sinners and your situation is hopeless. You can't prepare to receive the Messiah as He's coming. So repent. That's all you can do is repent. Despair. And John's message to them is my message to you. You're not ready for Christmas. You can't be. You can't prepare yourself to receive the Son of God as your prophet, your priest, and your king. So repent. Those are the really focus on the first two words of Isaiah there. These are both commands. Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Those are imperatives. Those are commands. And whenever you hear a command, that's the law. That's God telling us to do something. But remember that the main purpose of the law is not to tell us how we can please God, how we can satisfy his commands, but to show us that we cannot do it. Now here's the amazing thing. As we sit here despairing of ever receiving Jesus because he's too holy for us, Isaiah switches from the imperative to the indicative, and he says these things. Every valley will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, and the rough ways smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. Do you understand what that means? That's not Isaiah telling us what we should do. That's Isaiah telling us what God will do for us. As we sit here unable to prepare ourselves because we are so twisted up with sin, Isaiah says, the Lord's going to do it for you. The Lord is going to send His Word and He is going to cleanse your heart. 
He is going to take all those, those crooked ideas in your head and He's going to make them straight. He's going to align them with the will of God. And again, that's not my opinion. That's Isaiah, a little bit later in Isaiah's book, he says this, In the same way, my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty. Rather, it will accomplish whatever I please and it will succeed in the purpose for which I sent it. And the purpose of God sending His word to you today, His law and His gospel, is that you would receive your Savior and in Him see your salvation. That's Christmas. Seeing God in human flesh to be your Savior, your prophet, your priest, and king. That's Christmas. That's the joy of Christmas. So you don't have to walk out those doors and and try to gin up some artificial feeling of Christmas. You don't have to crank the Christmas carols in your car just to make it seem like it's Christmas, even though you feel glum and depressed on the inside. No. Receive the real joy of Christmas by, by meditating on the Word of God, by, by seeing all the things that God did for you, how He organized all of human history with you in mind so that you could live, live with Him forever in heaven. Don't try to be a little bit better in December to make up for all the bad things you did the other 11 months of the year. You know what you should do instead? Confess those sins and receive full and free forgiveness from the Lord Himself. Don't stress out about how much food you have to make or how many gifts you have to buy. Instead, in a few moments, step forward to receive the free gift of Jesus' body and blood, which will nourish you for all eternity. That's real Christmas. It's not something we prepare ourselves for. It's something that God prepares us for, to receive His Son. And not even our own failed preparations can stop Jesus from coming to us. In the the movies, uh, it's always artificial, right? The the fake Christmas, the the gift-giving, the the food-eating, the the partying, that's the Christmas that's in danger. What if in the movies Christmas didn't come? What if Uh, the Grinch never gave Christmas back? What if Scrooge never caught the Christmas spirit? What if in the Hallmark movie it didn't end with some cheesy portrait through a foggy window of a family sitting around laughing and chuckling around a a crackling fire? What if it didn't happen that way? Or what if the lights on your tree this year short out Start the tree on fire, burn up all the gifts, and burn your house right to the ground. What if that were to happen? Or some other tragedy? That would be tragic. But it wouldn't stop Christmas. Because none of that stuff is Christmas. Christmas is the Son of God becoming a man to be our Savior. And nothing is going to stop Him. Amen.